the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Today, uh, we have somebody that's going to preach that's been uh, in Bible school and is about to graduate that. In about a week and a half, he will be graduating from Ole Miss with a bachelor's degree, I guess, and uh, he'll be teaching our children uh, in the schools. What are you teaching? History? We need somebody to teach them the true history, don't we? Instead of this revisionist stuff that they're teaching these days, we're going to have somebody in there that's going to teach them the truth, and our kids are going to benefit from that. And so we're very excited today to have somebody certified and authentic, genuine, passionate, and relevant Everything that these walls talk about, this, this young man embodies, and he's one of our own, and he's 100% Passion Church uh, member, and my friend, Mr. Nicholas Mitchell. Give it up for him. All right, let's pray. Jesus Christ, thank you so much for being in this place, Lord. I thank you for your love residing in each and every one of us, for the forgiveness that you give all of us freely, for the sacrifice that you gave us freely, Lord. I thank you that you are speaking here today, Lord, that we open our hearts, that you've been preparing us to go deeper and know more of you each and every day when we wake up in the morning and we pray and we read our word, Lord, that you would speak to us in ways that we can understand here this morning, Lord God, ways that will help us continue our walk with you through the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, every morning when you come into Passion Church, all the parts of the body are working together almost seamlessly. And the crazy thing is, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. We're going to get to that verse later on. We don't know what's going on. I didn't know what worship songs they were going to do this morning. Pastor doesn't even know what I'm going to talk about this morning. So all the different body parts are working together in unison without us straight telling it to each other. Like Kaylee mentioned earlier, that God the Father sent his son Jesus down to earth. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Like Brother Bill said, not being able to do it on his own strength. Not being able to do stuff on his own strength. We're going to talk about that later. And like Chris said, like Chris said about, what'd you say, Chris? <laughs> like Chris said about being made new and not going back to his old ways in that song that he was singing. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. About two weeks ago, and just so y'all know, I'm nervous. When I tell people my testimony about the first time I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I always tell them that my heart was pounding my adrenaline was pumping, is that, dis that decision-making moment when the pastor gives an altar call and you're trying to decide, should I walk up there with all these people watching me or should I just stay in my seat? But see, if you stay in your seat, then that feeling of that adrenaline, that's all you're going to get. 
and eventually that's going to pass away too. But if you have the boldness and the courage to walk forward and accept what God is offering you, then you experience so much more and you get so much more. The reason I'm sharing this with you today is because I was talking to Dorinda before the service and she said, it's funny that you don't get nervous. I just smiled and laughed at her. I said, I get nervous. But see, when I get nervous, that's me looking at myself. That's looking at Nicholas Mitchell. When I look at Christ in me and I accept the things that he is doing, I accept that he is the one speaking here today, that this is his word, this is his message, and it's not my own, there's no room for me to be nervous. I have to put myself out of the way. I have to decrease so that he can increase. So about two weeks ago, there was a basketball game. The Golden State Warriors versus the Los Angeles Clippers. If y'all watch that, y'all already know what I'm about to talk about. So Lou Williams, the guard for the Los Angeles Clippers, has the ball. There's less than a minute left in the fourth quarter, and the score is tied up. Lou Williams is dribbling down the clock, waiting for the final seconds to count down so the other team won't have a chance to return the ball and tie it up again after he makes a shot. So he's dribbling it down, and he shoots, but he misses. The ball bounces off the backboard, and Draymond Green gets the defensive rebound. Green starts pushing the ball back up the court. And it's the NBA, and Draymond Green isn't very tall. But when I say he's not very tall, he's like 6'7", okay? He's taller than Pastor when I say he's not very tall. But these other guys on the Los Angeles Clippers, in comparison, they look like they're about 9 foot tall. And there's four of them standing in between Draymond Green and the basket. Well, meanwhile, Kevin Durant is standing around near the three-point lines yelling, I'm open, pass me the ball, pass me the ball. But Draymond Green doesn't listen to him. And the Clippers smack the ball out of his hand, and he loses the possession of the ball. Now, Kevin Durant, he's a pretty good shooter, right? Kevin Durant can shoot the ball. But Green didn't pass it to him. If Green would have passed Durant the ball, he may have had the opportunity to make the shot and win the game right there clean and clear because it was tied up. But instead, Draymond held on to the ball and lost it. So now the game has to go into overtime. But before the game even goes into overtime, Kevin Durant starts making comments to Green. He said, you really screwed that one up, man. You really messed up that possession. You should have passed me the ball. I was open. I could have made the shot. Green comes right back at him. They start arguing and going back and forth. They start arguing about things that aren't even related to the game or the play that was happening right now. They start, this is the first time that I was preparing a sermon and I had like 10 curse words on my screen, on my computer screen getting ready. Some of the things that Draymond Green was calling Kevin Durant. So they're arguing before the game even finishes. Then they have to go into overtime and the whole team around them is being affected by their arguments and their disagreement. And they end up losing overtime. The Clippers win. The Clippers win. Maybe if they weren't arguing, maybe they would have won. Maybe if Steph Curry was there that day and he didn't have an injury, maybe they would have won. I don't know. But see, like when Steph Curry had this injury, right, or when any of us sitting in here, we have an injury or we get sick, we go to the doctor's office. But when I go to the doctor's office, I don't just walk straight in to the examination room, shake the doctor's hand, and he tells me, well, I'm going to give you this medicine, take it three times a day, and eat healthy and exercise. That's not how it goes. There's a whole process. You have to wait. You've got to fill out the paperwork. He asks you how you're feeling. He asks you what your symptoms are when you go into the doctor's office, right? 
He doesn't just give you a quick fix. He doesn't just give you an instant cure without you having to talk about the problem first. I'll give you another example. When I'm hungry, I just want to eat. I don't want to have to go prepare a whole bunch of food, right? I just want to pay $5 for my cheeseburger and eat it. I don't want to go to Kroger, find the food in the right aisle, pay for it, go home, prepare it. Then you got to wash the dishes. Well, I'm, I'm not going to wash the dishes. It's going to get stinky. Flies are going to come around. It's going to be nasty, right? Then finally, after you prepare this dish, you get to eat it. Me, I just want to go to fast food. I want to go to fast food, pay my money, eat my food right there, instant gratification. But what happens if you keep just eating fast food all the time? <laughs> you get unhealthy. A lot, a lot of different answers going on, but the gist of it is you, get, you become unhealthy, right? Well, I got good, for you, good news for you guys. We are a very healthy church. We are a very healthy church, amen, right? So we go through a proper process of things. We don't just look for a quick fix or a quick cure. So this morning, we are going to look at a problem. And if you're listening to that basketball story, we're gonna be talking about basketball for about the next 30 minutes. So you, can, you don't have to fall asleep yet. The problem we're addressing today is the conflicts, right? So when people, they're not loving each other in the state for what they currently are in Christ. And instead, looking at people from the perspective of their past mistakes. See, none of us are on an NBA team, but all of us are in a family. All of us have friends. We have co-workers. We have classmates. We have people sitting on these purple chairs right next to us. So these principles that apply to a basketball team apply to the other parts of our life as well. The number one thing, the first thing that I want to pull out of this Draymond Green and Kevin Durant controversy is that you have to actually be doing something to make a mistake, okay? Draymond Green did something really good. He got the rebound. Now, it was a defensive rebound. It wasn't really contested. There wasn't guys from the Clippers down there trying to get the ball from him because, you know, everyone's lazy. They just stand there and watch you shoot the ball. But he got the rebound. He did, And then he even started carrying the ball in the correct direction. He started pushing it up the court. If he had been sitting on the sidelines, he never would have had room to make a mistake. He never would have had the opportunity to mess up. It's the same thing with us. If I sit on the couch all day, eat my popcorn, and watch TV, no one's going to be bothered by me. I'm not going to make any enemies. I'm not going to irritate anybody. People are going to love me. But if I go out and I confront people with the true gospel of Jesus Christ, it's going to get on people's nerves. I'm going to offend people. They're not going to like me. They're going to say I need to mind my own business. Okay? But we can't let that fear of making a mistake even stop us, or the fear of not being accepted or not being rejected. Because when we're doing that, again, we're looking at our old self. We're looking at ourselves instead of looking at God. But we need to decrease. We need to stop looking at ourselves so much and allow God to work through us and allow his message to come out. So you have to be doing something in order to make a mistake. The second thing I want to pull out of this game is that arguments just plain aren't helpful. Neither Green no KD, nor KD, neither one of them got anything out of this argument. Neither one of them gained anything. Maybe publicity, but we all already knew who they were, right? For the most part, if you watch the NBA. So they didn't gain anything. In fact, Draymond Green lost something out of it. He lost a day's salary. He wasn't allowed to play the next day. 
he lost somewhere around like 120 grand for this argument. For one game, for one day, he lost about 120 grand. I think somewhere a little bit north of that. For one argument. Let's look at Philippians 2.14, the first verse that we're going to dive into today. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Everything. So I'm glad that God makes it so obvious for me. And he doesn't want me to get confused. He doesn't say some things or most of the times or only if, if they're wrong and you're right. It says do everything without complaining and arguing. Now that I heard the pages stop flipping and y'all got there, I'm going to send you to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Second Timothy 2.14 reads, Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. So not only do we need to stop arguing about what he said or what she said, not only is it useless, but it can actually damage, it can ruin the people that hear them. So if you're arguing with your husband or your wife and your child is in the room and they hear you guys arguing, it can ruin them. It can damage them because they hear you arguing. Even if you go behind closed doors and wait until the kids are asleep and argue, kids are smart. They can still sense that something's wrong. They can still sense something in the air. So instead of arguing, we need to work out our problems in the proper order, which we're going to get here in a minute because we're going to continue to talk about conflicts and disputes. The third point out of the KD and Green controversy is that unresolved disagreements carry over into other parts of our lives. They started arguing courtside before overtime. They continued to argue. Everyone on their team, everyone in the stands, millions of people watching at home, they all saw it. But they didn't stop arguing there. When they went into the locker room, they continued to argue. And that is why Draymond Green lost that day's salary, because then he started cursing and calling Katie names in the locker room. So it carried over into other parts of their lives. It began to affect the entire team, because then Green wasn't there for the next game, right? The whole team was affected. If we have a problem at work, and there's somebody at work talking bad about me, and I don't resolve that, and I come home angry because of it, and then I'm short with my family at home, that is not helpful to anybody. That is a problem for my work life carrying over into my home life. We need to solve these problems, and we need to correct them and get them squared away and forgive people before they begin to pour into other parts of our lives. We're going to talk about how we need to handle these problems in just a minute. First, let's look at Acts chapter 15. We're going to go verses 37 through 39. In Acts 15, 37, Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly. Since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. So these people in this passage, 
These are great men of God. These are apostles and disciples. These are strong men, women of God going out there and doing the Lord's work, right? You guys know that even good, mature Christians, Barnabas and Paul were both mature. You know, they can have disagreements. They can have disputes. They cannot always see eye to eye. They can have conflicts. Strong, mature men and women of God that love God. They probably even love each other, but they still have disagreements. But there was a problem. Like Brother Bill was talking about looking at something in his own strength. Or Chris was talking about forgiveness. See, why did Paul not want John Mark to come along? In verse 38 it says, Since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. See, Paul was looking at John Mark for his past sins. Paul was looking at John Mark through the lens of the things that he had done in the past. Instead of forgiving him as a brother in Christ. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapters? It says, love keeps no record of wrongdoing. Love keeps no record of wrongdoing. That means forgiveness. That means if I love you, I forgive you. When you repent, I forgive you across the board. I don't hold on to the things that you've done to me or you've said to me in the past. I don't keep score or a tally of what you've done against me and what I've done for you and you haven't done anything for me. No, I forgive you. I don't keep any record of your wrongdoings. And we have to do this because God commanded us to not only love him, but to love others, to love other people. So if you claim to be a Christian, then loving other people means that you have to forgive them. We can't, we can't say that we love people and not forgive them. It's a contradiction. It's a contradiction. So their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. And when you look in the order that Paul traveled on his missionary journeys through Acts and the order of his letters that he wrote through these churches, you later see that Paul forgives John Mark. Paul later forgives John Mark and says, bring him along. He'll be valuable to me. I want him on my team. See, at the time, he hadn't forgiven him. So there is still hope. You know, we just finished Thanksgiving. I hope many of you got to see your families. And if your families are anything like mine, we don't always get along. We have disagreements and conflicts like we're talking about here today. And maybe... Somebody said or did something to you five years ago, or maybe they just said or did something to you this Thursday. And maybe with all the stuff going on and the busyness and the family and the kids running around and having fun, and you didn't want to ruin a good time. And that's all good and well. But for yourself personally, you need to forgive them. And if possibly by any chance you were the one at fault, or even if they think you're at fault and you know you weren't, it's okay because you have Christ's love and you're not trying to be the one that wins. We still have these things called cell phones, and we can call them. Y'all got your family members' phone numbers, right? If not, you can get them on Facebook. They're on Facebook if you don't have their number, all right? You can call them and still tell them you're sorry, and still tell them that you forgive them, even though they're not here in person. See, Paul did this in a letter. We're not going to look at it right now, but in the letter, the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy is when he was forgiven John Mark. He was forgiven John Mark and saying that I want him to come along with me. And there's other places that Paul later talks about John Mark in two other books of the Bible. 
So it's not just there. Paul really forgave him. And back then he had to write a letter, but today we can offer up a phone call and we can be reconciled to our families. So unresolved disagreements carry over into the other parts of our lives. The next thing I want to look at is how small conflicts blow out of proportion to reveal underlying problems. See, Green and Durant essentially argued about who was getting the credit and who was getting the reward. They didn't just argue about who lost the possession of the ball, which was clearly Draymond Green, right? Kevin Durant never touched it. They didn't just argue about how he screwed up and lost the game for them. No, Green starts bringing up stuff from the past, stuff that had nothing to do with that day's game. He starts bringing up, well, you know, we already had the records for the most wins in a season before you joined our team. We are at, what is it, like 73 wins? 73 wins? We already had 73 wins in a season before you joined. We already had a championship ring. We were already winning before you got here. As a matter of fact, Green was saying, you're just here for yourself. You're trying to take all the limelight, make this season all about you and what you're going to do as a free agent and where you're going to go next season and who you're going to play for and how great your journey and your story is. And you're taking all the light off of us as the team, as the Warriors. Okay, none of this that I'm talking about has anything to do with that one game against the Clippers. He's bringing up ancient history. He's bringing up unrelated stuff because he's still holding on to it in his heart. And we need to forgive the stuff. We don't have any room to hold on to grudges and to hold on to stuff and the past hurts and the things that people have done to us. It's only damaging ourselves. It's not hurting them. If I'm thinking about the stuff you've done to me all day, you don't even know that I, it bothers me. The only one that is hurting is me. So we need to make sure that things don't get blown up out of proportion when we have a disagreement with a friend or a coworker or even a spouse, that we don't bring up other stuff, that we stay focused and we resolve the current controversy and not get sidetracked because there's no room for selfishness. There's no room to be the one who is right all the time or to be the one that didn't wrong each other. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to go from verse 1 to 4 in Matthew chapter 6. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Even if somebody at work, say, is trying to take the credit of the stuff that you do, you don't have to come over the top and go make sure and make a clear point that the boss knows that you are the one that did the work. If you are a hard worker and you're doing what you're supposed to do every day and you're doing all things unto the Lord, your hard work ethic is going to shine through. Even if people are talking behind your back and telling your boss that you're really lazy and you're texting all day and you're playing on your phone and you don't do any work, if your boss sees you, every time he sees you, you're working hard, you got something in your hands and you're working on a task, he's going to know, even when you don't expect to see him and you don't see him coming, he's going to know that this person is lying. It's the same thing. If they take credit for wonderful, good things that you do, 
and you continue to do those things, it doesn't matter if they took credit for it. The boss knows that you're a valuable asset. But see, people don't always like that. Like Brother Bill said a couple Wednesdays ago, his boss came up to him and said, you got one of the best departments in the building, if not the best. You got a great team. You get really good work done. You get it done fast. You get it done to a superb degree, a high level of excellency. And people don't like you because of it. People don't like that you're doing good. Just like I was saying, people don't like that you're a Christian. People don't like that you walk around and spread the faith. People don't like that you maybe want to forgive them and tell them it's okay and you love them when they're mad at you. People don't like that. But we have to keep doing everything unto the Lord and not worry about what the other people think about us. The next, so there's no room to let the underlying problems, there's no room to bring in other things, past hurts and past mistakes into the current conflict or the current argument. We just shouldn't let it happen. We shouldn't even be arguing. See, the name callings and the personal attacks just don't help anybody. They don't help anybody. Green called KD names. He didn't get anything out of calling names. It cost him $120,000. But see, there's a proper way to handle disagreements, whether it's at work or your family or your friends. If somebody does something against you, that got a lot louder when I pushed up against my mouth, huh? If somebody does something against you, you don't just want to go give them a piece of your mind and go tell them why you're right and they're wrong. When somebody does something against you, if time allows, if it's possible, you want to take some time to go by yourself and pray. You want to pray and say, Lord, give me wisdom and sight in this situation to know what I need to do. Help me to forgive them and help us both to come to a mutual understanding if they are willing to do this. You don't want to go fly off the handle as soon as somebody does something to you and tell them why they're wrong or, or if you see or hear somebody do something and you're just kind of, can you, why would this person do that? Like, it's supposed to be my brother. Why would he do that to me? And just go jump down their throat because of it. You want to take your time to cool off first. Don't do it in the heat of the moment. And then go talk to them. And then you want to come in love. You want to make sure that you're coming to them in a place of love and forgiveness and respect, even before you brought it up. And you don't want to do it around a crowd of people. You want to wait until there's a time where you can be alone with that coworker that wronged you or that friend that said something or did something that you just didn't like. You didn't understand why they would do something like this. You wait until you talk to them alone. And then you don't come at them and tell them what you think they did wrong or why you're right. You come out and you say, look, man, I heard you say something the other day or I saw you do something the other day. And it just it really confused me because normally, I mean, I know you're my friend. I know we work together. We're on the same team and we do a lot of stuff together. And I, I don't normally see you act this way. And I just don't understand if you could give me some clarity and tell me why did you say it this way or why did why did you act in this manner? I just I just want to understand because it really bothered me. Well, hopefully you may not have to come to this point. Maybe in your prayer time, the part I skipped, in your prayer time, you just get forgiveness and acceptance for it, and maybe God isn't showing you that you need to go say anything. But if it stays bothering your mind and it's playing over in your mind every day for like weeks or something, and you've already prayed and you've already forgiven the person, 
if it if you pray and forgive them and then you're like you forget about it and it's all good and it wasn't a big deal it wasn't maybe not harming other people it wasn't big then you don't have to just go confronting people all the time you don't have to go walking around telling people they're wrong but if you've been praying and praying and, and really praying open not just praying like i know i know that i'm right i know i'm not that kind of praying praying for god's truth and god's love and god's forgiveness in the situation and you get to that point and it keeps bothering you it stays in your mind then you can go to them in love in private, and ask them, why did they do this thing? Or why did they say this thing? And you may be surprised. It may have just been a simple misunderstanding. But you see how all the body parts work wonderfully together in this church. And how we haven't even got to the part I want to talk about, about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that Kaylee brought up. But the body parts are all working together in this church. It's going to come together later on in today's message. But if we have constant conflicts and stuff going on, then our family's not going to be running very smoothly. We're not going to be very productive at work if we hate the guy sitting next to us or we hate our boss because we're holding on to stuff. So we need to make sure that we forgive and that we go through it in the proper order and we don't just fly off the handle and try to talk at people, but we come to them in a position of love and understanding and talk with them and ask their opinion on it, and ask them what's going on and what's the truth. Because we may not even know. We may have misheard them. You don't know. So there, there's no room to be holding on to stuff. There's just no room for it. There's no room for it. So arguments don't help anybody. The next thing is when you make a mistake with that many people watching you, all those people that were watching that Warriors and Clippers game, when you make a mistake with that many people watching you, people are going to say something to you about it. They're going to say something to you about it. Before I get onto this, let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, verses 7. 1 Corinthians 6, 7. What I just told you was a proper way to handle a disagreement about go and pray about it and wait until you have a cool, level head and then go talk to your friend or your family member or your coworker, right? The Bible says something different from what I just told you, though. In 1 Corinthians 6, 7, now what I did tell you was biblical. In, in Matthew, what I just said is directly in Matthew. But in Corinthians, it says something else. It says, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? So Paul is actually being stricter here than Jesus, or than what I was just saying. Paul is being stricter. He said, when they do something against you, just let it happen. He's not saying that you need to go and talk to them and ask them why they did it. They did something against you, they hurt you, you just let it happen. Now what he's talking about here is believers, because believers are supposed to be in love and unity. He's talking about believers going out into the world and having a secular judge, judge something. Like, the other day, if Richard Parvin backed into my nice, pretty blue Toyota Tacoma and then just peeled off, squealing tires, banging his heavy metal riding down the road, right? Skill is heavy metal. Skill is heavy metal. All right. And then I call the cops on him because I'm mad. And he shouldn't have hit my truck. He shouldn't have done a hit and run. He shouldn't have pulled off. So I call the cops on him. So now the police are involved, and we have a court case. Instead of two mature men where he just come to me and say, hey, Nick, so I accidentally, you know, I was just really into the song. I was like, if we're going to fly, we fly as eagles. And, and I was really into it, and I backed into your truck. 
I would say, man, it's no problem. We both got insurance and we take care of it right here as brothers, right? But see, when you start acting not as a Christian and trying to get away with something and trying to sneak off and lie about it and be sneaky, then you get the world involved with the cops and the judges. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to handle our disagreements in a proper way that I already explained the proper way how to do it. You pray about it and you go in a peaceful manner in love and in forgiveness. And y'all know Richard would never do that. Richard would never do that, just so y'all know. All right, so when you make a mistake with that many people watching you, people are going to say something. Everybody saw Draymond Green lose the possession of that ball. When the game was tied up, if they would have made that shot, they could have won the game. And KD probably would have made the shot. He's got to be above 50% average, right? Way above, right? He probably would have made the shot, odds are. But he lost the ball. With all those millions of people watching on TV, all the teammates there, all the people in the stands watching, everyone was talking about it. Some of y'all might have made a mention like, man, Green just screwed that up. If you're watching the game, you, probably, you know, he just messed up. KD just happened to be the one to say it to his face. And see, all of us as Christians, people are watching us. You may not be on national television, but people are watching you and waiting for you to mess up. They're watching you and waiting to see if you're the real deal. If you claim Jesus, you say that Jesus is in charge of your life, that you love Jesus, that you live for Jesus, they're waiting to see you prove it. They're waiting to really see it happen and really see you live it out. Because if you claim you love Jesus and then you go do a hit and run on me and I see you peeling off down the driveway, I know something's up. I'm like, man, that's not what a Christian would do. That doesn't sound like Jesus. If he's doing that, I mean, how is that any different from the rest of the world? See, we need to be united. We need to all be together as one in love, presenting the same gospel, the same truth. You see, in, in the world, people are getting divorced, right? Families are breaking up and splitting up, and they're not staying together. So if the church is doing the same thing that the world is doing, what do we have to offer to them? If people look at the church and they say, oh, well, well, Jesus is all about love. Jesus is all about love and forgiveness. Well, why don't you love and forgive your wife? They're like, if they don't see that, you know, why would they want to come to church? If I say I love people, if I say I love my brother Rick, but behind him I'm talking about his back like, man, he listens to some garbage music, you know? He's a, he listens to some garbage music. I'm talking behind his back. People are like, well, if you say you're a Christian, and Christians are supposed to love everybody, then why are you talking bad about your brother? Why are you talking bad about him? I like Skillet. Y'all know, I like Skillet. Let's look at James chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. See, as a Christian, people are waiting to see if you're the real deal. They're waiting to see if you really, truly practice what you preach. James chapter 3, the first verse down to the second says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Now, we have a lot of different teachers in this church. We have quite a number of people that teach in the nursery and the toddlers and the children's church and the youth and the adults. Maybe not all of us consider ourselves a teacher right now. But if you're a Christian, you're saved, 
You believe Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again, and you can raise again to eternal life with Him when you accept that, and when you believe that, when you confess that, when you repent from your past ways. Your job is to teach people. If you don't even, you don't even have to walk up to somebody and tell them about the love of Jesus. Just from you sitting here today and saying, I am a Christian, by coming to church, and by asking the Lord to be in control of your life, when you walk out in public, when you go to your workplace, around your friends, and around your family, you are teaching people how a Christian lives. You are walking, I hope, in love and in forgiveness. And in that way, you are teaching people how God wants us to live, just through your actions. It says, those who teach will be judged more strictly. So yeah, people are going to talk about you. People are going to talk about the teeniest, tiniest thing that you screw up, and they're doing stuff ten times worse. But because they're not claiming Jesus on the scale that you're claiming Jesus, they don't say that he's in charge of everything. They say, you know, he's just in charge sometimes when I want him to be. But if you say God's in charge of everything, people are watching for that moment when he wasn't in charge, when we took back over when we allowed ourselves to take control of a situation instead of doing it the godly way, instead of doing it the biblical way, in love and in forgiveness. But the good news is, we all make mistakes. In verse 2, we all make many mistakes. So it's not that we have to be perfect. My friends, their church t-shirt over in walls, it says, no perfect people allowed. They don't let any perfect people in their church. Probably, but everyone's welcome. So it's probably just because they've never found a perfect person. Which I love that. There's no perfect people allowed. See, none of us are perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. But it's about how do we handle those mistakes. When I make a mistake, then i got to be forthcoming with it and just be open and honest and say, you know what, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't Christ living in me. That was me taking control. And now I repent, and I don't want to do those things again. And I'm asking the Lord to be in control of every situation all the time. So people are going to say something about you when you make a mistake. They're either going to say it behind your back or they're going to say it to your face. Next, you have to have relationships with your team. You have to have relationships with your coworkers and your family and your friends. How good would a marriage work if you only talked to your spouse when you needed something? How good would that marriage work? You have to actually know them. See, Kevin Durant doesn't know his team as well as many of those star NBA players know their team. He's been there like less than three years, right? Like two and some change in seasons. So he doesn't know his team as much as these other star players know their team. There's not this unity and this cohesion of working and togetherness. It's just not there. He doesn't have the relationship that long-term players have with their team. So you have to know them. Because you can't treat everyone the same. Some people, you can just talk business with them when you go into work. You just tell them what you're doing that day, ask them if they need anything, and ask them a favor to help you out at work. And some people are fine with that. But some people want a good morning. How are you doing? How was your weekend? Did you enjoy your service yesterday? I had a great Thanksgiving, too. Thanks for asking. And then once you go through all that process, then you're able to say, well, look, this is what we're working on Monday now that we're back from the Thanksgiving break. But you have to understand that you can't treat everyone the same, that people talk differently. They have different languages. And that one person is not the reason that the team is successful. It's about all the different body parts working together in unison. 
And that's not just a church thing. That's a work thing. If everybody at your job did the same thing, it wouldn't work out. If everybody in your family did the same thing, it wouldn't work out. If everybody in your family cut the yard and took out the trash and repaired the appliances around the house, that wouldn't work because then nobody's cooking or cleaning or doing the laundry or going shopping or paying the bills. You know, We all have different roles and different parts and we have to work together in unison. Additionally, you have to be loyal. The team cannot function without all of its people. You got to be loyal. Now look, some time ago, KD took a $10 million pay cut to stay on the Warriors so they would be able to afford DeAndre with the last name that I can't pronounce. Say it loud. Iguodala. Andre Iguodala and another guy for them to be able to stay on the team for the Warriors to be able to keep them on the team and be able to afford them. He took a $10 million pay cut, right? You have to be willing to make that sacrifice. So my question is, are you willing to make a sacrifice to keep the team together? Are you willing to make a sacrifice to keep the team together? And we, okay, we're not on an NBA team, but we're in a family. We have a job. We have all these different things in our lives where we work together. We're very relational people. We serve a very relational God. And are you willing to make a sacrifice to keep doing what you Are you willing to sacrifice your pride? Are you willing to sacrifice being the one who's right and wins the argument? Are you willing to sacrifice not receiving the credit? Are you willing to sacrifice your own pride? Are you willing to make the sacrifice to keep the team together? See, the solution to us not looking at people through the lens of their past mistakes is working together in unity. Let's look at John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23. John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus says, I'm not praying only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So who is Jesus praying for in this passage? Us. I believe in Jesus through the message of his disciples because they spread the word orally and because they wrote it down and because it got transferred throughout time. I now believe through the disciples' message of the gospel of Christ Jesus. You now believe because of this. So Jesus is praying for us in this passage. Verse 21. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. How is the world going to believe that Jesus came to earth? Us living together as one. Verse 22, I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. God wants us to be one as the Father and the Spirit and the Son are one. Verse 23, I am in them and you are in me. May they, who's they? The believers, 
May the believers, may the family, may the friends, may the workplace, may the classroom experience such perfect unity. May the church experience such perfect unity that the world, who's the world? The sinners, the lost, the people out there that aren't following the Lord. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that God sent Jesus and that God loves the world, the sinners, the lost, as much as he loves Jesus. That's what that means. It's Jesus the one talking. You see me changing those words. God sent Jesus and God loves the world, the sinners, the people that argue with us and lie about us and talk about us as much as he loves his son. How is the world going to know that Jesus came and sacrificed himself for us? How are they going to, what is our role in that? Is it going out and preaching at people and telling them about Jesus? That's like a tiny part of it, right? That's in here, that's in here. But it's saying, in this passage, Jesus is saying the way that we show the world Jesus' love is by all of us being together in unity, loving each other and forgiving each other. Because it's useless if I go out and preach the gospel of Jesus and tell someone about his truth and his love. It is useless if I don't love you. If I don't love you, Jesus's message is useless. Our role is to be unified together as one and to love each other. It says that if we really love each other and we really work together, that the world will know that Jesus is real. All I have to, I don't have to be a preacher for my friend and my family member to be saved and start following God. I don't have to be a preacher. I have to love each other. I have to love the people sitting in here. I have to love my family. I have to forgive people. And then the world and the sinners are going to be saved. You see, this unity that Christians have is not driven by sameness. Okay, the unity that we have is driven by the love of Christ in us and our love for each other. Let's look at John 13, verse 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Will prove to the world that we are his disciples. That is how the world is going to know that Jesus is real and that Jesus loves them. It's through us loving each other and through us working together. But like I just said, unity isn't the same as sameness. God exists as three people. Was it Kaylee saying that God sent Jesus down to earth? She said that a minute ago during worship, right? See, God the Father sent Jesus down to earth. One time, Jesus got baptized. Jesus walked up to John the Baptist. He said, hey man, dunk me. John said, I can't dunk you, man. You're the son of God. You should be dunking me. And Jesus said, no, no, you got to dunk me in this water, in this river right now to fulfill the prophecies for Father's will to be done. John's like, all right, I can't, I can't go against a direct commandment from my Lord and my Savior, so I'll dunk you. 
So John dunks Jesus in the water, right? Jesus, the Son of God, was baptized in that river that day. At the same time, the voice of God the Father from heaven spoke down and said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Simultaneously, Holy Spirit descends from heaven upon Jesus. Okay? So Holy Spirit was not baptized on that day. On this specific instance, Holy Spirit did not speak down from heaven. On this day, Jesus did not descend from heaven on the day of his baptism. And Jesus did not audibly speak from heaven on this day. God the Father was not baptized in the river that day. And God the Father did not descend from heaven that day. They all had different tasks. They all had different jobs and purposes that they were doing. But they were working in unison. Everybody in here knows that we are monotheistic, correct? We believe and we serve and we worship one, the only one true God. We are not polytheistic. We do not believe in many gods and we do not worship many gods. We are monotheistic. We love and we acknowledge and we worship one God, okay? But just as God himself was using his three different persons to do these different things, his three different things, right? All of us are doing different things. As God wasn't baptized and God didn't descend, well, I didn't sing today and I didn't take up the offering and I didn't unlock the church, okay? All of us in here, we all looked at, we have some young people in here. We have some old different people. We have people from all different walks of lives, different ethnicities. We have people in here that have different jobs. They have different likes and interests. We like different kinds of music. We do different things for fun. We have all these different things. None of us are the same. We all look different. We all act different. We talk different. We dress differently. None of us are the same. But we all work together in unison for the purpose of God and for his love and for his forgiveness to be shown in our life, working together for that common goal. Just as God the Father wasn't baptized that day, we were all working together and making that same thing, that same thing to be accomplished. Okay? Thank you. Let's look at Romans 12.10. It says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Love each other with genuine affection. It doesn't say be the same or act just alike or enjoy all the same things that we all like. It says love each other with genuine affection. Let's look at, uh, I don't think it's on there, Miss Mary Ellen. Let's look up Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. Yeah, I'll give about five seconds. We're going to have it on our sky Bible up there. That big floating Bible in the sky for all of us to read the words off the screen. Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. It's coming. Our sky Bible is really fast. Boom. Awesome. Thank you, Richard. All right. It says, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ. 
Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to work together. We have to be in a complete harmony because we are followers in Christ. We are in a complete harmony. Then we can join together in one voice. I'm not saying one thing and you're not saying another. We're not contradicting each other or saying two different truths or saying this is what happened or that's what happened or this is what God wants to do or this is what God wants to do. We have one voice. We are unified together because we have that peace and that harmony together. Let's look at Luke chapter 14, verse 26. It says, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. So in order to be God's disciple, we have to hate everything else by comparison. It's not that I hate my spouse or my family members or my friends or the people I go to church with. It's just that I love God more because only through loving God and giving God my full love will I really be able to love people in the fullness of the capacity that he's given me. But how do we work together in this unity? How do we love each other and forgive each other? It's by coming to the end of ourselves. When I come to the end of myself and I say, it's not all about me. When I come to the end of myself and say, I don't have to be right. That is how I'm able to work together in unity with all of my brothers and sisters. In closing, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 through 21. Second Corinthians 5.14 says, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. We don't do the old things we, do any, we used to do. We don't do those old sins. We repent of those. In verse 15, He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves, Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This is what I was talking about earlier. We don't evaluate others. We don't evaluate our friends from a human point of view or what they've done to us in the past. We evaluate them as Christ living in them, as they are a believer today, and we love them, and we forgive them, and we're not holding anything against them. This is how we look at people. Because if we were evaluating people from the things that they've done in the past, I would be the last person standing up here right now. I would not be allowed we were making a joke about kicking somebody out this morning. Y'all would have really kicked me out this morning if you were judging me off of the stuff that I've done, right? You would have really kicked me out of this church this morning if you're like, no, nah, Nick did that. He ain't allowed in here. We can't look at people from the past and what they've done. We look at them as Christ in them now. I think I'm on 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God. What do I have to do to get this new life? It's a gift. It's a free gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us 
this task of reconciling people to him. Pause right there. God has given us a task of reconciling people to him. But we are not able to reconcile people to Christ if we haven't even been reconciled to him. If I haven't even been reconciled to my brother and to my sister. If I haven't been reconciled to them. Reconcile is like to restore a friendship. To restore a harmony of working together. It's to cause to submit or to accept. So when I am reconciled to God, I am submitting to God's will in my life. I'm accepting Christ as my Savior when I am reconciled to Christ. But it says that our job is to reconcile other people to God. He's using us to reconcile them to himself. But if I haven't been reconciled to you because I still have this harsh resentment and this, this bitterness in my heart that I'm not willing to let go of, how can I reconcile someone else if I haven't even been reconciled? We need to reconcile ourselves. We need to forgive and love each other. Verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. That's what we got to be like God in this aspect. We cannot count people's sins against them. It's time to forgive. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.